Children's Church is dismissed and go to the book of Jude. Go all the way to the end of the book and hang a let. All right? That'll get you there. Book of Jude. Don't anybody start singing a Beatles song. That's not on the uh, repertoire this morning. I know you were thinking it. Some of you anyway. If you weren't, you are now. Right? Sorry about that. Go to the book of Jude. Carly, I apologize. She gets to hear this twice. I, I gave this message out at Wayne Christian School. And uh, so you ought to know it. Why don't you come on up and give it? No, I just give it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, pray for Pastor Nate. He'll be out at the school this week. He was, of course, out at camp with them uh, for a couple of days, the underclassmen. And uh, I was out at the school with the upperclassmen. And uh, he'll be back out for the whole chapel this week doing part two of this book. But you'll have to wait probably a few weeks before you hear him do the conclusion of this book. Um, and so, uh, anyway, so we'll, we'll hopefully get through it. I know it's a short book. You think, oh, this is, we're, no, you know better. We'll, we'll maybe be here for a while. That's right. It's a, so, uh, anyway, we're, we're, in, we're in the book of Jude. And uh, just right out of the gate, when we think about this book, um, First off, Jude, okay? Anybody know the Hebrew meaning of the name? What's the Hebrew name? Interactive part, by the way. Now, Carly, you should know this one. I quizzed you the other day. Who else? What's the name of it? What's, what's, what's his name in Hebrew? I see that hand. Close. <laughs> Judah. Judah. He would be known as Judah in the Hebrew. Anybody have any idea his name in the Greek? <coughs> Judas. Now, it's not the Judas who betrayed Jesus. Let's get that clear from the start. But guys, do y'all know anybody know somebody named Judas? Yeah, we're not naming our kids these days Judas. Oh, look, it's a beautiful baby. <gasps> Let's call him Judas. Probably not happening a lot. I mean, I'm sure there, and no offense if you're here or listening and your name is Judas. Um, not a real popular name, right? N not exactly what you, you would want to call someone. So I got, this got me thinking, you know, because you know how I am. I got to think. You saw the smoke. That's a bad name, but there's some worse names out there. There's some worse names. Well, I don't know if there's necessarily some worse names, but there's some bad names out there. So, for example, kids, I'm sorry to report this. But Donald Duck has been arrested. I mean, that's pretty bad. You got to go through life. No wonder he's arrested. I mean, you know, if you had to grow up with Donald Duck, you'd probably be in trouble a lot too. What's in a name, right? What's in a name? Well, there's a lot in a name. Now, this is the perfect couple. McDonald Burger. I mean, that is a match made in heaven, right? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Uh, how about this one? Uh, looks like he got her. Go and get her. <laughs> I mean, is that like the advice his dad gave him? Go and get her, son. Yeah. Yeah, that's in the name. Yeah, I probably could have left that one out. <sighs> I'm thinking flies. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so, anyways. Hey, names are bad. You know, it, 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 I told the kids out at Wayne Christian School this, this week, uh, these are some true names. Uh, a young lady, her last name is Banks, B A. N-K-S, B-A-N-K-S, her first name is Robin. <laughs> She's probably in trouble a lot too. 
Robin Banks. Uh, Case, C-A-S-E, Case, his first name is Justin. Just in case you wanted to know. Um, this was my favorite. And I almost I couldn't hardly get this one out the other day without laughing. It still makes me it still makes me laugh when I read it. Uh, his last name is P I P E Pipe. His first name is Dwayne <laughs> Dwayne Pipe. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey Dwayne Pipe, you got a leak? I don't know. I mean, anyway. Jeremy Sams and his wife Crystal, they're here, they're family uh, this weekend, and he, he gave me one. He said, How, don't forget uh, Amanda Hug and Kiss, you know, <laughs> but I don't need Amanda Hug and Kiss. I got a wife, <laughs> which reminds me, I've told you guys this before, and I'll, I'll do this and we'll move on because this is way out of hand, but uh, we were on our honeymoon. Uh, we were in Fort Worth, Texas airport, and um, just, you know, you know me, I, I got some idle time in my hand. I'm going to do something silly. And so I said, ah, i got to go to the restroom. Went to the restroom. There's these courtesy phones right next to the restroom. I said, oh, yeah, I see a plan. And so I got on the phone. I walked back over to my wife, and I said, listen. And you know how they got the paging system, and all, you know, paging people all the time? And so all of a sudden, I hear over the PA system, the woman says, attention, Anita Mann to the front desk. Anita Mann, oh. And she literally let out a, oh. And I was like, yes. My wife knew then she was in trouble. <laughs> but this guy's name is Jude. And he would have probably been known as Judas back then. We, we kind of reference it as Jude in our English language, but it probably would have been his name. And that was a popular name, a common name. And so, so, you know, obviously in that day, it wouldn't have been as widespread as we understand the name now to me. But there's a lot in a name. But there's one name, guys, that, they, that when we look to, when we think of, it is the name, it was the only name given under heaven amongst men by which to be saved, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. And that is a name that must be made much of. That is a name that when we gather together for worship, we must lift high. Our life speaks to our name. And if our name is found in Christ, then when people see us and see our life, they should see Christ lifted high. Jude is going to tell us, as we get into this short letter, but very, very in-depth, some concerns he had even in his day of what was going on in the church. And so he specifically writes to this church, and he has some strong warning. And I believe, guys, God is trying to tell us in our day and age very much the same thing, a strong warning. And this is why I say that. Uh, I'm not smart enough to line up sermons and do like, you know, hey, we should do this one here at Wayne Christian School and do this one here at this time. And we should. But let me just tell you, I, I help serve on the spiritual committee, Dean and I, out at the Wayne Christian School, Pastor Jonathan from Freedom. And so earlier in, uh, actually, the end of last semester, I had to lay out the chapel schedule. And, you know, the different speakers and arranging who will speak and, and, and what messages kind of they'll focus on. And so as I'm praying and I'm thinking about some of these things, uh, this book was impressed on my heart. And so we put this on the schedule for this past week for me doing part one and this week for Nate doing part two. Well, at the time we did that, I had no idea the American gospel was going to be coming out on video, nor that I would be showing it to you. Last week, by the way, if you were not here last week, please, please, I'm begging you, 
rent the movie. It's $4.99 on Amazon Prime. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it on Vimeo. Uh, you could probably go to their actual website, The American Gospel, Christ Alone is the full title. The American Gospel, Christ Alone. And you could probably order even a DVD for all you old school people. Sorry, no VHSs, I don't think. But um, you need to watch it. If you only saw part one last week in the morning service and you were unable to make it back for part two, rent it, please. I'm begging you, rent it. Because, guys... The scriptures warn us that in the latter days there will be a great apostasy. There will be a falling away. And we had better be ready to earnestly contend for the faith. We better know what we believe, why we believe it, because as we're going to learn in this little letter, there are those who have crept in unaware. And their goal is to lead the sheep astray. And sometimes these people may be sincere, well-meaning. But sincerity and well-meaning does not equate to truth. And you know the old cliche, the, uh, the, the road of good intentions, the, the, what is it? the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so just because someone is sincere, just because they believe with all their strength and understanding does not equate to them being in line with what's correct and true. And so we need to know the truth. We need to understand the truth. Look, if you would, in the book of Jude. Uh, this is going to be our outline as we go through here. I hope to get through all this today. Um, we're going to look at the called, verses 1 through 2. And by the way, you should have an insert there. If you want to fill in the blanks and follow along, that'd be good for you, Lucas. It'll give you something to do other than sleep. Um, you can just kind of fill in the blanks. You can also see the contenders in verses 3 through 4. Uh, and we'll be looking at that. And then we're also going to see the cursed in verses 5 through 13 in hopes that we'll make it to verse uh, 13. And so this is where we're going. This is the outline and what we hope to look at. Uh, join me in prayer as we, as we ask God's blessing uh, on His Word and teaching of His Word this morning. Father, uh, I pray that You will give me recall the things that uh, You have impressed in my study time with You. I pray, Lord, that as You promise, Your Word will not return void. Lord, give us listening ears. Remove any and all distractions. Lord, let us hear from you this morning. More importantly, Lord, may you be made much of. Your teaching is worthy for us to receive. Lord, you are worthy of our praises. You are worthy of our life. You are worthy of our names being surrendered to you in faithful following. Have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The called. We get into this book, and right out of the start, Jude begins to express this idea of the call. He greets the call. Notice Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Now, a little history here. The time in which Jude is writing this is probably somewhere around uh, 80, 68 to 70. Uh, we don't believe that this is after the fall um, uh, of Israel because in the sense of um, uh, we would probably hear this in the writings. It's probably shortly thereafter, Second Peter and... Um, uh, 
again, you're going to see a lot of similarities as we begin to unpack this. Second uh, Peter also warns of the coming apostasy. Jude, in essence, is saying, hey, it's already here. And so that's why we believe this is written shortly thereafter. The church was being warned. They were recognizing what was going on, what was coming. And so God was preparing His church. Jude uh, was living during a time when obviously there's a lot of political upheaval. There's a lot of problems stirring uh, within the church. There's the Gnostic influence. Again, this mystical all right, movement. By the way, y'all realize a lot of the stuff we watch in the American gospel, isn't it interesting... Um, we live in a day where there's almost a, a, a desire to return to the mystical in worship. This is one of the dangers of the modern worship movement. Now, I'm not, I'm not against contemporary music. I love some contemporary music. Uh, I, I, I enjoy some fresh worship. But guys, let's be careful. Let's be warned. Because what I'm seeing happening, and I think it was David Platt who said this phrase, we are worshiping worship. Let that sink in. Guys, there's only one worthy of our worship. That's Jesus Christ. But what we do is we put ourselves in situations that if we're honest, if we're completely honest, it makes me feel euphoric. Who's at the center of that worship? It's not Jesus Christ. Now, we justify it because we're singing lyrics about Him. But if we're really honest, oftentimes we like this setting because of what it does to us. I'm at the center of that. That is what Jude is going to warn about. There's a fine line between authentic worship and sensual worship. And I think that line is so fine in the, in the, in the day and age in which we live that it's so blurred that unless we understand the truth of the gospel and who Christ is we too can find ourselves being affected. And so, again, check out the American Gospel if you haven't seen it. The second part of it gets into a lot of modern-day false teachers. The other day out at Wayne Christian School, I played a rap artist. I was going to play it this morning, but we've been having problems with video stuff. I'm, I'm glad the video worked for you this morning. But uh, there's a rapper named Shailene, S-H-A-I, new word, L-I-N-N-E. Google him, check it out, just be, just be warned. Even if you don't like rap music, he's going to drop you some knowledge. It's some serious theology. He raps theology, doctrine. I mean, he, he, it's a sermon. And so I, I played for them this song called False Teachers. He drops names. Guys, I, 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 look, names are dropped in Scripture. We're going to see some names this morning in the Scriptures. So Jude is in a time when there's this political attack going on in Rome. There's this infiltration of Gnostic-like apostates. They're sowing doctrinal error. Now, John, 1 John, he's going to... You know, we're talking probably 20 years later after this writing. 20 years later. So you've got, you, you, you've got Peter saying, hey, the, the apostasy is kind of coming. Jude's saying in this letter, it's here. And then John's dealing with it they went out from amongst us because they weren't of us. So this is happening. It's full on. By the time John, it's, it's already past tense in John's day, 20, 25 years later, it's full-blown Gnostic problems within the church. So Jude is writing, and if you don't get anything out of this morning's message, here's what Jude's wanting to say to you. He's calling the church to fight for truth. You got, guys, we're in a fight. 
We're in a spiritual warfare. And, and Satan's not always coming with the problems. Satan oftentimes comes in with the good that's not the best. So, right out of the start, Jude comes in and he says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now let me stop there. A bondservant. Anybody know what a bondservant is? It's a slave. It's the word doulos. All right? Doulis. Let me down the holler. We cruised through there, leaving y'all's house the other night. But anyway, we didn't stop. Um, but doulos, it's actually the word for slave. Why does Jude start out of the gate and says, look, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And then he says, I'm the brother of James. Well, here's the thing. If you know your Bible, Jude, who's writing this, is the half-brother of Jesus. Well, why didn't he say, hey, I'm, I'm Jude. I'm the half-brother of Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but we'd have been name-dropping. Come on, you know you would have. Hey, man, what's your name? My name's Jude. I I'm Jesus' half-brother. I grew up with him, yeah. You'd be doing that, you know you would. But he doesn't do that. And I think this is very important in his letter writing because he, again, is, I think there's probably a lot of things going on through Jude. I can't know this for certain, but just in what I'm reading, the fact that he immediately out of the gate wants to identify to his reader that he is a bondservant. He's not an apostle, okay? He comes after the apostles. But he is a bondservant. He said, look, I'm a slave to Jesus. Now what, but he's a, he's a brother, half-brother of, of James. Which, by the way, how many half-brothers did Jesus have? Anybody know? Carly, you ought to remember that one. How many half-brothers does, does he have? How many half-brothers did Jesus have? Yell it out, somebody. Uh, <laughs> four! Give me four! Telling somebody the other day, I had a good buddy in school... Uh, his name was Matt, Matt Hogan, and, and he, he played basketball at my house, and one day he left his class ring there on a little stump. We, out, we basketball go up on the pine tree, and he left his class ring on the stump. It sat there for two weeks, and he realized, well, man, i gotta, I got to stop by your house this morning. I, I know where my ring's at. It's out there on that stump. That's where I laid it. Two weeks I laid out there. Matt comes in that morning, puts it on his finger, goes to school that afternoon in class, basketball PE class. They had these goals that lower by themselves automatically. It got about halfway down. It got stuck. And so I go to jump because you could grab the bar and like rock it down and lock it in place. Well, Matt goes to step in front of me. He goes and jumps up, grabs it, and his ring caught on the bolt. And it ripped his finger off. Yeah, I know. I probably... so, but Matt had a great attitude about it. We'd see Matt after that down the hallway. Say, hey, Matt, give me four. But anyway, don't know why I told you that, but... Jesus had four half-brothers. He had four half-brothers. James is one of them. Jude is one of them. If you, want to, if you want the full list, by the way, I'll give you the verses. You can look it up on your own time. Matthew 13, 55 and, and Mark 6, 3. You can look it up later, write it down. Mark 6, 3 and Matt 13, 55 will give you the list of the half-brothers. And so Jude is a half-brother, but he doesn't identify as him, himself as that. He wants you to know he's the slave of Jesus. Now, i got to think, these half-brothers, if you know anything about the half-brothers, <clears throat> remember what they were telling Jesus? They mocked him. Oh, Jesus, they got a big festival going on down in... Hey, they got the barbecue festival down in Kinston. Hey, <laughs> we wasn't that because they were Jewish. But they got the festival going on. You ought to go down there and make yourself known. Maybe you should do some miracles or do something, you know. And they were mocking. They were scoffing him. And remember, Jesus said, my, my, my hour's not yet come. It's not yet my time. 
And so they kind of scoffed their own way and went there. And then, but a little later, Jesus does make his way there under the direction of his heavenly Father. Jude does not become a believer. James does not become a believer. His half-brothers, most likely, I don't know if all of them, but I know those two, did not become believers in Jesus Christ as God incarnate until after his resurrection. But I'm amazed, you know, I'm thinking that's going to be some pretty solid evidence. When there's Jesus, who, who you knew just got crucified, this is family, and you watched him die, and he's been buried, and then three days later, he's walking, talking, teaching. Absolutely, you would become a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Guys, that's what we are as believers. We're witnesses to the resurrection. No, we didn't see it physically right there in person. But how blessed are those who, who have not seen, yet still believe? To quote Thomas. And so here's Jude writing this, and he identifies right from the start of bondservant of Jesus Christ. He knew his identity. He knew who he was. He knew he was not his own. He knew he was bought with a price. And therefore, he must glorify God in his body. Guys, that's us. And that is our calling. And so Jude says, a bondservant, doulos, a slave. And he says, to those who are called, this is good. Are you called this morning? Yeah. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're born again, guess what then? You can read this letter. It's your mail. It's your mail too. It's got your name on it. He says, to the called, to those who are called. Now, now guys, this is not... This, this is, not just a ring, pick up the phone kind of call, right? But if the phone's ringing, you better pick it up, right? And let's telemarket, then we leave it alone. But, hey, you hear the phone call, right? The idea here in this is he, he is highlighting this effectual call to salvation. This is that initial tug of your heart. This is that uh, uh, regenerate work that the Spirit of God, the grace of God has extended to those who are called. Romans goes into this. Those whom he foreknew. Those whom he predestined, right? He called. He justified. And one day he'll glorify. That's you, saint. That's you, believer. And so he says that those who are called sanctified. Now, some of your words may say beloved there. You may have that in your translation, the beloved. And that's the ones, again, sanctified, set apart. Guys, he's telling you, Jude wants you to know, church, he wants you to know, you've been set apart, you've been called by Christ, you've been set apart for His name's sake. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace. Let me say that again, because sometimes we miss it. We think it's about us. We think it's about our choice. And listen to what it says. To the beloved, he says... To the praise of the glory of His grace. To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the beloved. The beloved there is Jesus Christ. It's because of His grace we are accepted in His sight. It's because of His grace that we are the beloved. And we can love because He first loved us. This is truth. This is scripture. So he's saying, look, the called, the sanctified, and the preserved. He's wanting you to know, I got you covered from the beginning, from the call. I got you covered in your walk, and I got you covered in the future. Notice what he says. And preserved in Jesus Christ. 
Guys, if you are in Christ, you are sealed until the day of redemption. You are preserved. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can pluck you from His hand. Eternal security is screaming on this page, and Jude wants you to know that because there's going to be a lot of heretics that are going to come into the church and try to get you to doubt the truth, to get you to waver in your walk. Because if you're not secure in your walk, then maybe I might have to do something to keep myself secure, which perverts the gospel. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what I do or don't do. It's about what's been done on my behalf. It's about Jesus Christ. But he's also going to address the other side of that coin that's going to deal with what we call greasy grace. Borrowed that from you, Jeremy. I like that term. You know, we can just slip in, slide. Oops, say it, don't spray it. It must have been left over from last night. Anyway. That greasy grace that, that somehow gives you a license to do what you think you ought to do because, hey, it's covered under the blood. I can have my tequila on Friday and Jesus on Sunday. No, you can't. That is a perversion of the truth. If you think you've got a license to do what you want to do, you don't understand the transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. There's liberty in Christ, but not a cloak to hide your sin. And so Jude's going to talk about that. Pressing on. So, this is who it's written to. And I love this because then he goes on to because, again... Just because it's all taken care of in the past, you need a little something, substance for, for the present and the future. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Guys, that grace is sufficient, but here's a reminder for present grace. You and I, we stumble, we fall. Isn't it good to know that even though that grace is all securing, it's preserving but He also gives you mercy in the day in which you live. For today's problems, grace for today's struggles, peace for now. That's His desire. And so He goes in, He says, Beloved, verse 3, While I was very diligent to write to you uh, concerning... By the way, I'm sorry, you want to fill these in. I got carried away. Y'all, write, y'all take some time. We'll talk about the half-brothers here the holy believers, and the happily blessed. That's what I just talked about. The half-brothers, the holy believers, and the happily blessed. That's what I just laid. Just boom, drop that right there on you. I didn't even see it coming, did you? Sorry, that's the, the little alliteration this morning. All right, got your blanks filled in. Now, let's look at these contenders in verse, verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the thematic part Jude wants you to know. He's saying, church, you need to earnestly earnestly contend for the faith delivered to the saints. The contenders are to earnestly for the faith delivered to the saints. They're to contend. They're to fight. And he's exposing the false teachers denying 
the Savior. Now, here's what I want us to see here. This is, this is kind of cool. Jude starts off and he says, look, I, I was going to write this letter to you. And really what I wanted to do was I wanted to write to you guys to give you some instruction in, in our common salvation. He's not saying it's common like, nah, it's just sort of common. That's not what he's meaning. He's meaning that we have this in common. Christ is our bond. Guys, let me say this. This is very, very, very important. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you are my brother and you are my sister. We are the family of God. And within the family of God, that common bond is Jesus Christ. If I don't know how to love you, you don't know how to love me, then look to Christ to help you love me. It's not optional. This is how people will know you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your love for one another. There had not ever better be up in, this, up in this place, strife and division, bitterness, murmuring and complaining against one another because ain't nobody got time for that. Right? We didn't got no business messing in that garbage. That's what it is. It's garbage. So if you got problems with somebody across the pew, you better get the heart right because there ain't no place for it in the family of God. Hey, guess what? I know I'm difficult to get along with. Newsflash, so are y'all. But I love you. And I would lay down my life for you if God should call me to do that. Don't dare get bitterness in your heart or, or angst towards one another or problem. I can't believe she... As my son would say, we ought to smack him in the face and give him the gospel. Son, we can't do that. You feel like it. You feel like it. No, that's not how that does it. Yeah, that's probably not going to work. <laughs> but guys, I love you. You love one another. This is, this is important. So he says, I wanted to write to you from the start to give you just some encouragement on, on our salvation, our common bond in Christ. But I can't, guys. I can't do that. And here's why. Because there's a very important thing I need to address. There's some people creeping into the church unnoticed. Some of your translations say unaware, but I can't. I always say underwear when I, when I anyway, it's, it's terrible, I know. It's the old messed up mind. Uh, but they crept in unnoticed. That's what he says. And so he wants to expose this heresy. He wants to shine a light on the falseness to expose what's going on within the church. So they'll be on guard for it. Guys, that's one of the reasons I showed you the film I showed you last week. There are people out there under the umbrella of Christianity that are teaching a perverted gospel. It's not even the gospel at all. When they tell you, sow a seed into their ministry. And I mean, I'm sorry, guys, this is a perverted gospel. It's a gospel of selfism and materialism. And Jude's going to hit on it. He says, so I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, look, man, it's done. There's nothing new, no new revelations coming in. Don't let prophet so-and-so, apostle, bishop, brother, so-and-so tell you he got a revelation from God. It's done. The faith, the core faith message has been delivered once and for all. It's done. And so you better get that straight. Because if somebody's coming up to you and they're telling you, I had a dream last night and God told me to tell you, ah, 
is it, I don't see it in here. We don't need that. You don't need somebody to speak over you. This tells me who I am in Christ. This tells me what I need to know to live a life set apart for Him in all areas of godliness. We don't need new revelation. We have a hard enough time trying to just live out what we're learning, right? So let's stay here, guys. And Jude's saying this. He says, you've got to learn to earnestly contend. This is once and delivered for the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. Now, I think that we need to circle that word unnoticed because I think that's kind of... Here's what he's saying. He wants to expose these guys because they're unnoticed. I think these guys in, in Jude's day, they look just like everybody else. Oh, they espouse even the name of Jesus. Did Jesus not say in that day, many will come to him and say, Lord, Lord. They knew his name. Did we not prophesy in thy name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do great miracles in your name? He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So Jude is saying, look, they've come in unnoticed. They've crept in. That's my creeping in look. Yeah, it's kind of how I try to go to the restroom when i got company at the house and it's in the middle of the night, but that's another story too. These are the condemned. That's what it says here. And it also, the scripture says they're ungodly. And we'll get to this part in here. Just Notice what he says. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly, who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. And deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain this. Lewdness, this word lewdness here, by the way, uh, is the word that, that basically it means um, unbridled lust, excess, licentiousness, wantonness, outrageousness, shamelessness. They are ungodly people. NIV translates it very well. It says, they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality. You know what this looks like in the real world? Oh yeah, we're Christian. We love Jesus. But we're shacking up. We're not married, but we're living together in sin. Because Jesus paid it all, right? Yeah, I'm struggling with uh, pornography, but I love Jesus. The grace has covered it. Got alcohol addiction, but hey, Jesus paid it all. Now guys, that's not to say that real born-again believers don't struggle and fall. But we must be very careful when we're practicing a lifestyle of sin and we think it's okay. Read 1 John. Don't take my word for what I'm telling you. Read 1 John. And so Jude is saying, you got to look out for people who turn the grace of God into a license for immorality. And there's a lot of people out there that are teaching that greasy grace. And they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you think, well, wait a minute. 
Surely if they came in and they weren't acknowledging Jesus as Lord, people would notice, right? Because they were following Jesus as Lord, especially in those days, man. If you were following Christ, you meant business. You lost your family, your friends reject because you're you, you know, potentially giving up your life physically because, I mean, it's like a lot in the Middle East today. Like if you were to become a follower in the Middle East in a, in a Muslim country that's uh, uh, radicalized and you, you became an, a professing outward Christian, you could hang it up as far as probably living your life. So I don't think they were coming in and just flat out denying Christ. How were they denying Christ as Lord? Because He wasn't the Lord of their life. They were. Their lifestyle is what's rejecting Jesus. And so this is convicting for us, church, because we have to read this and we have to say to ourselves, self, precious, as Lynn Sanders used to say, Is Jesus my Lord? Or did I just kind of get him for some fire insurance? Jude started this by saying he's a slave to Jesus. A slave does what his master wants him to do. And this is not a politically correct letter, by the way. Let me just say this. I shared this with the school the other day. In the age and day in which we live, this letter is taboo. It is about as Oh, man, no, because uh-uh, it's not politically correct. We want to allow within the church umbrella certain practices because they name the name of Christ. Well, they say they love Jesus and they're a sweet person. They're very friendly. They're very nice. So are the Mormons. So are the JWs. So are some Muslims. So are some Buddhists. Guys, sincerity doesn't matter. Deception is real. People are deceivers and people are deceived. And I feel very, very heartbroken for those who are deceived. And that's what Jude's going to talk about in Nate's sermon. Those that you need to to reach with compassion. Some you're going to have to pluck out of the fire through fear. Because they've been deceived and they're going a way of destruction. So here's the problem. Certain men have crept in unnoticed. Well, you may not have noticed, but God noticed. God marked them out for condemnation. That's what the text says. These are ungodly men. They twist grace. And they twist grace for their own benefit. This is why TBN, TBT, and those channels are so dangerous. Look at what they're selling. It's not the Jesus of repentance and faith. It's not the Jesus who had no place to lay his head. It's not the Jesus they're presenting, guys. So don't be easily moved. Don't be easily deceived. I think of Galatians, uh, Galatians 1, 6 through 10. I marvel, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which is not another But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. You think I'm being hard? Paul said, let him be accursed. He would tell some of these TV preachers to H-E-double hockey sticks with you. 
Let them be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. As if you didn't get it the first time, he goes on. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I'd not be a bondservant of Christ. See, the problem with most people, most of our struggles, we want to please man and not God. We want to please self and not God. And this is the battle. This is the struggle. And so he goes on and expounds on these things. These are the ungodly. This is lewdness. This is immorality. It's displaying lust. It's their lifestyle. Their lifestyle. They're indignant. They're denying lordship. I'm the master of my own ship. Nobody's going to control me. That is, guys, Jesus Christ has bought you with His blood. You're not your own. And yet the false teachers will twist grace because it's much more appealing to have a genie in the bottle called Jesus that you can rub and get what you want. But to surrender your life as you know it, to take up your cross to die to self daily, to deny self, to follow after Him? I don't know if I want that Jesus. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Because he understood what Christ came for. He understood why Christ had to go to the cross. He understood that he was beaten, that he was mocked, that he was scoffed, that he was stripped, that he was abused, that he was taken to the cross and nailed and shed his blood, him who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, who took our sin upon himself and paid the debt that you and I, we deserved. The question we ought to ask is, why would God save anyone? Not, why would God send anyone to hell? No, why would God save anyone? But yet God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Guys, the gospel is not about you, it's not about me, it's about Him. But they deny these false teachers. They deny the Lord. Notice what else happens here. The curse, verses 5 through 13. This is really the heart and the meat of it. And I see what time it is, so we better speed it up. All right. So, notice real fast. This is good stuff right here, guys. We're getting into nitty-gritty. Um, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality, gone after strange flesh, and are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers, 
defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, denied, dared not, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these, they speak evil of whatever they do not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, and these things, they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, They've run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots or stains in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead pulled up by the roots, Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame. Wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Wow! I mean, guys, do you hear how he's describing these, these characters? And by the way, he doesn't go after their teaching in this section. There's plenty of New Testament things where it's dealing with the doctrine and the teachings of false teachers. He doesn't go after that here. He exposes their lifestyle. Didn't Jesus say you know them by their fruit or the lack thereof, right? That's why when you see these people who are flat out heretics, we need to see it for what it is. This is what Jude is warning you about. He said, I want to remind you. He gives three examples. Notice here, and I'm probably going to end with this. And Nate, you just, we'll just kick the can a little further down the road, brother. We'll talk about it later. Uh, here's three examples. The people came out of Egypt. The angels out of their proper domain. And then the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Notice what he says here first off. These people out of Egypt. Think about the people out of Egypt. We've been reading this in our quiet time in weeks gone by. So you ought to understand this real well if you've been following along in your word of life quiet time. They marched out of Egypt. They got to the Red Sea. It parted. They walked through. What a miracle. The sea crashes down on Pharaoh and his armies and kills them. They have seen the power of God in amazing ways. And then Moses goes up on the mountaintop and they're fearful of all this, wow, just craziness going on, earthquakes and smoke and fire and just... I mean, they don't even want to get near it. No, Moses, you deal with them. You just come talk to us later because we don't want to get near this. And yet when Moses is gone, what do they do? After all of that, they turn, they take their earrings, their nose rings, their tongue rings, and any other rings they got, and they melt them down, and they make a calf, and then they worship it. This is an Aaron who's a man of God is leading that. He got swayed by the people. You see how people-pleasing will destroy your testimony? Guys, we have only one that we need to please, and he's pleased in Christ. So if I would just live my life in Christ, it's pleasing. That's walking in the power of the Spirit, not the flesh. So we desire to yield and so here these Egyptians are worshiping, I mean, the people who were led out of Egypt, the Israelites who came out of Egypt, 
These Israelites are now worshiping a false idol. And Moses comes down, breaks the tablets. Mel says stuff down and says, drink it. Y'all thought I was hard. <laughs> I mean, really? You know? Man, you're now Moses. <laughs> Bought and called with the same blood. Amen? Amen. So they doubted. The Israelites doubted. They made an idol. They murmured. Well, pfft. Moses and Aaron, they, they think they're the only ones that hear from God. I got news from them. We talked to them too. Who do they think they are? Self-appointed leaders. Well, I don't think we ought to do it this way. I don't think we need to be going this way. I think we ought to be doing this. You with me? Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. I, I'm, you know, I'm sick and tired of that manna. Yeah, and you know what? Where did Moses get his leadership from, huh? Now, that never happens in churches, does it? No, no, that never happens where there's murmuring or somebody doesn't like the direction of leadership that, that, that somehow, some way, some or another, well, I, I can't, I just, I just, I'm meddling now. These are the examples. Notice the angels out of heaven. By the way, if you want to know this, Genesis 6, write it down, 1 through 7, 2 Peter 2, 4 through 11. We'll look at 2 Peter in the next part of the sermon next time. These angels out of heaven, this is crazy stuff. Can't make this up. These are the angels, they're called the sons of God in Scripture. You've seen that phrase, the sons of God. And so here's what happened. These angels left their natural abode... These are, what do you call an angel that's a fallen angel? A demon. These demon-possessed men and then to have sex with the women of the earth. And they produce giant offspring. Hey, Goliath, who's your daddy? A demon? Just saying. Read the Scripture. Don't take my word for it. They had offspring with the women of the earth. This is what led to God destroying the earth with the flood. These angels left their natural abode, and so God condemned them in chains and darkness until the end time when they were released again, according to 2 Peter. Until the day of judgment. These were angels who left their natural abode. They went outside the bounds. And that's what these dreamers are doing. This is what these... Light, and I'm not talking political there, guys. I think that was something subconscious. No, it wasn't. They left their natural abode. Notice the same sin, the same immorality. By the way, that, that little party they were having down at the base of the mountain, yeah, it was sensual. It was debauchery. And notice the common thread in that with these angels and then with the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The perversion. Romans 1 warns this. They left the natural affection of man and they burned in their own lust one for another, which is forbidden. That's why God wiped out the Sodomites. The word Sodomites not used anymore, guys. Homosexuality, there was a sexual sin. It was rampant in Sodom and Gomorrah that it vexed the righteous soul of Lot to the point that when angelic beings came into town, they wanted to have sex with them. 
And, they, and, and Lot has to fight to get them in his house to, to protect them. And, and not that he really had to because they could have done a lot of damage if God so allowed. But he pulls them in and instead offers his daughters. It's a sick and twisted place. Guys, we live in a sick and twisted place. Look at the headlines. Look at what's going on in the world. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. And so there's a warning to us, the church. Because we live in a day where no one wants to judge another person because of their orientation, because of their not being married and living together in sin, or because who am I? Guys, this is who you are. You're a follower of Jesus Christ set apart unto righteousness and holiness. Let's just simply shine the truth and let God do the work. But we can't shy away from the conversations. We can't worry about the fear of man and being politically correct because of how they are going to receive the truth. In fact, 1 Thessalonians, I won't turn there, but it says this. They will be damned because they did not receive the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know why the world's mad at you? You want to know why the people around you reject your message? It's because they love their sin. Man loves darkness rather than light. And when you try to expose that to them, they don't like it. Well, I think we should just live a life set apart and they'll see us. And then they'll, what makes you so different? I just want to know. I love MacArthur recently put out a quote. I don't know whoever it was that said um, uh, something about live your life. And what's, how's the saying go? If, if so, choose, use words or something like that. Somebody can probably clean up that quote for me. No, guys, you're called to use words. It's called share the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation of those who believe. We must proclaim it. Well, let's try to end off here. And uh, there's still a lot more to unpack. Uh, uh, we're getting into the three, three, and threes. All right, right here. We're going to get three examples. We're going to get three ways, three examples. You're going to get into some really cool stuff. And I'm telling you, man, I'm just peeling this one back. This is... In my study time, it's just been, man, this is, this is what we need today. Because men have crept in unnoticed. And they're perverting the grace and the truth of our Lord and Savior. And we sure better know the truth. We better be ready to defend it. And we better be able to live it. What's in a name? There's a lot in a name. And there's a lot in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, Lord, forgive us. The fear of man brings a snare. But those who trust in the Lord, Lord, you promise they will be delivered. Lord, may we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. May we be reminded as Jude began to write that we're merely bondservants. We're, we're slaves. And so, Master, what would you have us do? What would you have us do in response to this? For some of us, it means to be diligent, study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we won't be ashamed. 
it's going to be a challenge to some of us to lay aside the, uh, maybe some teachings that we grew up with. Or maybe it's just things we, this is all we've ever known. This is, these are the teachers I sat under. I don't know any better, Lord. And if that be the case, then I pray that you will shine a light on the truth because the truth will set them free. And Lord, as we're going to learn in this book, it's not necessarily uh, all of those that are caught up in this are damned to destruction. Now those who were the teachers that are being called out in this text, they were. But he's going to go on later and, and express that there are many who, who no doubt have been led astray by their teaching that need to be plucked out, that need to be reached. And so that's my prayer this morning. If someone's listening and they're caught up in a, in a liberal theology or they're, they're in one of these isms or, or cults or, Lord, perhaps it's just under a broad umbrella of, of Christianity that's uh, turned the grace of our Lord into a license for immorality, Lord, that you will reach them with the truth, that they will repent and, and put their faith in the Christ of Scripture. And so, Lord, you have your will and your way in our hearts this morning in response. That our lives may look to you. That your name be made much of. That you be lifted high. And we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hang on to your end.